Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two under two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. This week's episode, we are switching gears, changing things up a little bit. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know what to expect with this week's episode. But basically, over the weekend, I had my own kerfuffle with a guest. Gosh, kerfuffle is such a good word. Why is the word kerfuffle not used more often? Anyway, I had my own kerfuffle with a guest this weekend, and I was so worked up and heated up about it. I wanted to vent about it more than anything, but I knew that I couldn't because, I mean, I know the chances are slim, but on the off chance that the guest were to see me venting about it, I didn't want it to affect the outcome of the situation or how Airbnb support would handle it or how the guest would handle it. So I knew I had to bite my tongue and wait until the dust had settled before I could vent about it. But it did get me thinking about how all of us have hosts, all of us, I think, have that one guest that you just think back on and you just want to pull your hair out. There's that one guest, maybe you have more than one, but we all have at least that one that you just look back on and wonder why that one didn't make you quit, why you were so close to throwing in the towel and just saying, screw this, I'm never hosting again. So in the midst of my personal turmoil with this guest, I decided, hey, since I know I'm not the only host that has experienced these frustrating situations, how about we open the floor for you all to send in your hosting horror stories to me and read them off on this week's podcast episode. Now, if you follow me on Instagram and sent in a story, you know that I did lay out some ground rules before you were allowed to email me. And those rules were that you had to cover dates and names. I don't want to be giving out any private information or identifying factors. You had to make it as juicy as possible, okay? This is the space to vent. This is our hosting therapy session right now, so no holds barred. I want all of the details. Finally, you had to end it on a positive of why that situation didn't make you quit, why you still love hosting, and maybe something that you learned from that situation. So I really hope we're going to go through these, and I really, really hope that This episode, the last thing I want is for this episode to make anyone who is considering hosting decide that this isn't for them or someone who's been having a frustrating kind of streak with hosting to decide to just throw in the towel. That is not what I'm trying to do at all here. What I want instead is for this to just kind of serve as a reminder that we've all been in these really tough situations It comes with the territory, it comes with the business, but every time it happens, we get better, we learn from it, and I think that personally, situations like this happening, 
I, in my own weird way, always kind of like to see them actually as an opportunity that if hosting really was that easy, everyone would be doing it. The fact that stuff like what I'm going to read you today happens is such a good reminder of how much opportunity there is in this space. Not everyone is cut out for this business and use that to your advantage. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. So embrace those hard times. I hope too that you save this episode and that this is one that you kind of bookmark and come back to next time you have a really difficult situation with a guest and you want to vent to someone, you can come back and listen to this and have a laugh and just put it in perspective that it's not the end of the world. We've all been there, but we've all overcome it. So I am going to jump into these stories. I will tell you, I only read a couple as they came in. And then after that, I decided to stop reading them so that you could get my genuine blind reactions here. So parents listening with kids. Yeah, this is, this is not a kid friendly episode. I'm reading these for the first time with you guys and let's get on into it. All right. The first story says, We were brand new, first month hosting, an acquaintance in my town, we had a mutual couple for friends and had hung out a few times, wanted to rent for their family who was coming in for Thanksgiving. It would be perfect for them, so excited, couldn't wait, etc, etc. Long story short, their family that was coming in was their 25-year-old son. This was during COVID and our state was very locked down. All the bars were closed. The son had a rager at our house. I'm watching in horror on the ring camera before I go to bed that night, not knowing what to do. It was when I saw what I thought was a stripper, and then I was done. I told my husband to stay home because he wouldn't be proud of me. I called the mom who had booked the place and told her that all the people better be out of there by the time I get there, or there was going to be hell to pay. As I pulled into the neighborhood, a string of cars are coming out, one after another. There are a few still there as I pull in, and I start yelling for them to leave, telling the parents what pieces of shit they are for allowing this, etc. Never again. Don't ever rent to locals. Never a problem since. Oh my god. Yeah, this strip show... um the stripper on Thanksgiving. That is a that is a festive way to celebrate that holiday. I will tell you right now. I really hope that she had some sort of like pilgrim themed strip show, you know, maybe um showing off her cornucopia of goodies, um serving up her apple pies nice and warm. Hey, there's a lot of different ways to use a turkey baster. I'm sure you could get very creative with that. Okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Anyway, I am so sorry this happened to you, especially in your first month of hosting, and I'm so glad that you stuck with it and did not let that taint your entire hosting experience. You even said you've never had a problem since, so thank God that you didn't just quit after that. But yeah, that is a lesson. you got to be really careful with renting to locals. So glad you learned something, helped you set a ground rule. Instead of just quitting, you learned from it and became a better host. Now you know the red flags, what to look for. All right, next story says, so I know there's definitely worse scenarios out there, but this one was like the Murphy's Law guest. So I was in my first few months of being a host and I cleaned my property myself as it's attached to my home. Anyway, this guest was a little needy to begin with, asking for several extra toiletries and paper goods, etc., but seemed friendly enough. 
Flash forward to the next day after this single gentleman had stayed in the property for one night and he got in late and left early. I'm thinking easy cleanup, right? Wrong. This dude, he dirtied every single towel, 10 to be exact. He dirtied all four beds and ate in them. Both food crumbs as well as soggy food bites were all over in the beds and smeared onto the sheets and duvets. He took all the extra paper towels and toilet paper rolls. He left two dried loogies like the snot you hack up and spit out on the shower floor, like abnormally and somewhat worrisome bloody loogies. <laughs> and to top it all off, he left a big stinky shit in the toilet. It was not a healthy solid one either. I legitimately thought I'd either been punked or the victim of a hate crime. <laughs> Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I was so shook up about it because he seemed so normal and kind, and there is a 0% chance I somehow offended him in the two seconds we spoke. I'm still baffled months later and have never had an experience even close to that disgusting. And also, I got literally every single thing sanitized, washed, and somehow stain-free before my next guests arrived. I was very proud and very tired. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, the writing here is just so descriptive. Um, I mean, dare, dare I say a little too descriptive? No, I can't say that because I asked you guys for this. I literally said, make it as detailed as possible. And you delivered girl, you delivered the same way that your guest delivered a stinky shit and food crumbs and bloody loogies in both. Oh my God. This is so gross. I'm <laughs> so grossed out. Oh, thank God I already had dinner because I would not be able to go eat after this episode. For anyone, if you're eating lunch right now while you're listening to this, I am so sorry. On on the real though, I actually, I think that something was wrong with him. Like physically, it sounds to me like this guy was sick. Um, I don't know. Maybe he slept in the first bed and threw up or something. So then he moved to another bed and then it just kept happening and he kept trying to find a new clean bed. And honestly, I don't know what was going on here, but you said that his poop did not look healthy either. And then the bloody loogies in the shower, like something was wrong with this poor man. And I hope that after this, he went and saw a doctor and got the help he needed. And you should just feel so proud of yourself that you cleaned it, you got it done, and the next guests never even knew what happened before them. Props to you. My one thing that I hope you learned from this situation and any hosts listening out there, always assume that the entire property is going to get used. Even if it does say it's just marked for one guest, sometimes people do bring in extra guests if they see that the place can sleep up to eight or something. And it's not even them trying to be misleading. They might just genuinely think that like, oh, it's listed for eight people so I can bring eight. And a lot of people don't even realize that they only marked it for one person. So just future rule of thumb Always assume that the entire property is going to get used. Charge the same cleaning fee no matter what, even if it is only one person marked. That way you're always prepared for the allotted time and, you know, ready to clean the whole place. And if you find that it wasn't all used, it's a pleasant surprise rather than being shocked the other way around. All right, next story says, 
Okay, here goes. Jim, who is about in his 30s, books at 1 a.m. Never trust the late night bookings. Lesson learned for us. We missed the booking message and never got back to him. He finally got there and tries to buzz into our apartment at 5 a.m. and we let him in. He brings another guy who wasn't registered. I'm assuming Jim's partner since he stayed every night but the last night. We could see on our ring doorbell that within their stay, there were about 10 different men who came into the apartment at all hours of the night, only staying for an hour or two at a time. Jim messaged us that he wants to stay another night, but lost his credit card. Oh my God. After waiting for him to go to the bank, get a new card and update his information, we had to tell our cleaners not to come about an hour or two before cleaning. I'm annoyed at this point because he just seemed so careless and was messaging us annoying things. Then Jim proceeds to not check out even after the cleaner knocked on the door multiple times. She said he was whispering on his phone, but wouldn't answer the door. Then he proceeds to lie to us and tell us he is rushing to clean because his partner never came to the place because he hurt himself in our horrible parking lot and had to go to the hospital. Yet someone was with him every night besides the last night. There were many other men who came in and out the whole time. One older gentleman staying the last night when his partner wasn't there. Once we finally get him out and I have to give him the code for the lockbox again, I see him on our ring holding one of my kitchen storage bins with his stuff in it. We don't ever watch our ring doorbell, but the amount of notifications we received was way alarming. Were they shooting porn, a music video? What the heck was going on? I have yet to review him and still have a couple of days. I have no idea what to say. Oh my God. So this is recent. This is like happening right now. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. And you attach screenshots. Okay, guys, this one, this one is juicy. I'm going to start reading the, the screenshots. Okay. Okay. So it looks like the screenshots that you attached were from starting when the guest was trying to extend the reservation. So here are those messages. You said to the guest, Are you unable to accept the reservation since the card has been canceled? It is now 930 and I have not heard from you. I'm going to retract the change in the reservation and the cleaners will still be arriving at 11 a.m. Please make sure all belongings are removed by then. If you decide you would like to book again after, you are more than welcome to. I hope you can understand as we cannot leave our cleaners in limbo while we wait and need the place turned over in the event of a booking. Then... He replied, I'm at the bank now. Seriously, question mark. It's 939, question mark. You said, keep us updated. You have the capabilities to request a reservation change if you select details and scroll down. I can no longer keep the date reserved past 9 a.m. like I stated this morning. Okay, then there's a few messages back and forth about trying to get the card updated and not. And then it goes to... You saying checkout was at 11 a.m. Our cleaners are en route. We've given you a 15-minute grace period, but they will need to start as soon as they get there to keep on schedule. And the guest replied, my partner fell last night and it's still in the hospital because of that awful street out front. I'm trying to pack up everything myself on no sleep. Everything is packed. I'm just getting dressed and I'm walking out the door. Thank you for your understanding. And then you said, I wasn't aware you had a partner staying with you as no one else was registered for the stay. Sorry to hear that. Our cleaner is now there. And if she has to come back, you will be charged an extra day as you are now over the grace period 
we hope you can understand. And then he says he didn't stay. He was going to surprise me. She is welcome to come in. Okay, what an absolute shit show. I don't know what they were what they were doing. Was it was it a music video? Was it a porno? Girl, something was happening in that place. I have no idea. And I love this part in the messages where he says, oh, I just love this part. My partner is still in the hospital because of that awful street out front. I'm trying to pack up everything myself on no sleep. Like it's your fault that he didn't sleep. You provided a bed. He could have slept in it. It's not your fault that he chose to do something else in that bed with 10 other partners coming in and out. Damn it, Jim. Okay, on a serious note, though, who out there remembers my personal Airbnb horror story of my one guest who flew in his boyfriend that he met on some dating app and turned out that he had committed all this identity fraud. I swear, I think that he changed his identity and now just booked your Airbnb. And Airbnb did tell me that they blocked his account after I dealt with him, but maybe he made a new account, stole a new identity ended up here. That's why the card wasn't working. And I I don't know if the shoe fits. This is sounding very, very similar to my own personal Airbnb horror story that I had back in December, if you guys remember that one. The only thing missing from your story that I had experienced in mine was that it turned out that my guest's mom was his accomplice in his identity fraud scheme. Um, I don't see any mention of Jim's mom in the story, but you're still in your review period. So this story is still actively unfolding. So if that changes and mom enters the picture, let me know because I swear I think that we hosted the same guest. Um, as far as what they were doing there, you say, were they shooting porn, a music video? Uh, my money is that Jim is a male prostitute. That's my guess. Um, I don't know. You guys weigh in, weigh in. What do we think? What do we think of this situation? I really don't know. Ultimately, you ask what you should leave in the review. I mean, I would be honest about the fact that he brought in extra guests and that he didn't check out on time. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, look, in the end, if he didn't damage anything and if he left it clean, I would be honest in those categories, but I would definitely put that you would never host him again. You know, at the end of the review, when you can check off, would you host this guest again? Yes or no? put no. The guest never knows if you put that. It's only for Airbnb's purposes and basically means I think if a guest gets too many no votes, they lose the ability to instant book or at least they'll never be able to instant book your place again. And then one other thing which I see you already learned from this is you said that that 1am booking was just too late and a bad idea. I agree. Um, I actually, in my settings, have it turned on where I do not accept same-day bookings past 9 p.m. So basically, the latest that a guest could book my place to check in that same night is 8.59 p.m. As of 9 p.m., we are cut off and blocked for the night. So that might be something worth considering if you still want to accept those same-day last-minute bookings. I think they can be a great way to get some extra income. And if you're vacant, why not open the night? But to me, 9 a.m. is kind of the latest that I would want to entertain one of those last minute bookings. But thank you so much for sharing that story. And the screenshots were just mm, cherry on top. All right, next story. Your subject line says horror story, crazy sisters, police called shattered glass door. <laughs> I already love it. Okay, you wrote 
Great idea. This might be too long and not easy to read on a podcast, but I needed to share. I've had a few, but this is the one and only time police were called in as backup support. We have a six-unit property that shares a common courtyard. We had two sisters in their 40s stay in one unit. They were day drinking in the pool all day, so got stupid drunk. Apparently, they saw another guest checking in, an African-American couple, and one of the sisters stated loudly that they couldn't believe we would allow N-words to stay in a nice property like that. I'm not exactly sure what went down, but words were had and things calmed down, but the sisters were not exactly happy with each other because of the incident, and this is where it all turned from day drinking into a night from hell. So later that night, there may have been some drug use involved with the craziest sister. The other sister was annoyed, so she locked herself in the room so the crazy sister couldn't get in. The one under the influence started screaming and shouting and threw a plant pot at the glass door, which shattered the pot and the door. She then went unit by unit, banging on other guests' doors, screaming for help and to be let in. This brought on a lot of concerned calls from the other guests, including one that was a pretty young influencer that we had traded a night for content with. At some point after all of this, the sister that had previously locked herself in the room left the property and let the crazy sister in the room, who then in turn locked herself in the room. By this time, the police had been called by one of the other guest units, and they talked to the crazy sister, who they determined was under the influence but not a danger to anyone, and told her to sleep it off, and she locked herself in the room again. The police told us they wouldn't remove her forcibly. At this point, our private security guard had arrived at the property and was under strict instruction from me to not let the other sister in when she tried coming back later that night. At this point, we weren't sure who the aggressor was. It was late at night and she refused to leave and called me multiple times to yell at me about it being illegal to not let her in and threaten me with legal action. All of her things were inside the room, her suitcase, wallet, everything. She cried and yelled outside with our security guard all night. Then their mother called her to tell her that the crazy sister had apparently gone to the airport with all of their belongings and bags. Keep in mind, we're talking about sisters in their 40s whose mother is calling to try to work things out between them. This crazy woman had somehow jumped over a fence on the other side of the property in the middle of the night with all of their things just not to be seen by our security guard and her sister. Our guy is very empathetic, so he called the remaining sister an Uber to the airport and wished them good luck. I don't have access to the messages because Airbnb blocked the guest from the platform and apparently the messages get taken down. We now have 11 units on the property with five more being finished. It's turned more into a boutique hotel than an Airbnb, but I still enjoy hosting because the vast majority of our guests are great and appreciative and we love hosting them while on their tropical vacation. We definitely learned a lot from that situation and implemented a few more security measures. This is hard work and I ended up getting way more than I bargained for when my husband and his brother had the initial idea for a str the middle of the night calls are my least favorite by far but the five-star reviews are a compliment to the team thanks for always providing humor and insight to us hosts oh my god these women are disgusting that's the only word i can think of they are disgusting humans it just i honestly can't even wrap my mind around how people can behave this disrespectfully to to you to your other guests being flat out racist i just i cannot get over this part where they 
called that African-American couple out for not being able to stay at such a nice place. And yet these women think that they are worthy of staying at a nice place. The only place that these women are worthy of checking into is a dumpster. They can go spend the night in a dumpster. That is the perfect spot for them. Please go give your security guard a hug. What a saint he is. He is the hero in this story that we didn't know we needed. Just being so empathetic and patient with them. Honestly, though, congrats to you guys for taking on another five units since this happened and expanding to an 11-unit boutique hotel. That is amazing. And we need to talk because if you listen to my dreams episode, you know that my dream is to have my own boutique motel. So I have so much I can learn from you, I'm sure. And yeah, wow. I'm just, again, I'm so glad that this didn't discourage you because like you said, most guests overwhelmingly are good. The vast majority of them are great. And honestly, my favorite thing to tell myself with situations like this, and I've actually never had a situation this bad, but if if I did or when I do have bad guests, people that just behave horribly like this, the one thing I tell myself is, you know what? They're leaving in a couple days and I never have to deal with them again they have to deal with themselves their entire lives. And that just makes me realize I just feel so sorry for them more than anything. I don't ever have to see them again. I can block them. I never have to host these people again. They have to live with themselves every single day for the rest of their lives. How sad is that? So good for you. I'm glad you guys are growing like crazy. You deserve all the success. You handled it well. And Let's just, you know, I don't know. Let's just pray for these for these ladies. They need it. All right. This next story says, drug dealer guests in Northern Ireland, fasten your seatbelt. I am sitting at a desk chair, so I don't have a seatbelt, but point taken. Let's go. My husband and I were brand new to the Airbnb game, just baby Airbnb hosts full of potential and excitement, yet fully naive and unaware of some of the pitfalls with bad guests. We had instant book settings set to on. At 9.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, a booking came through. The guests said they use Airbnb all the time when they visit Belfast, though they had zero host reviews. First red flag in the story. He said it was him, his girlfriend, and her brother, and they would be leaving in the morning. So, out of the kindness of my heart, wanted to try and get these guests sorted out so they had somewhere to lay their head for the night. Rushed to set up an extra bed before they arrived, making sure every sheet wrinkle was spread, pillow was fluffed, and welcome treats were all ready for their arrival. They arrived. My heart sinks to the pit of my stomach. None of them could have been older than 20. Their eyes were incredibly bloodshot, reeked of a combination of alcohol and smoke. The girl had a bottle of vodka stuffed in her jacket. I didn't know what to do other than go and let them into the guest house and show them around as I would any other guest. They went in, and the main guest who made the booking plopped himself on the sofa and threw his wet boots up on the coffee table and got comfortable while I showed the other guests around. I pointed out the guest information I had printed up for them, including our house rules, and left them to it. I went back inside her house and sat on the couch and just stared at my husband. I just said, I have a bad feeling about these guests, but what can we do? The booking's already confirmed and their money taken out of their account. Again, remember we're brand new to this and this was only our second booking. We knew nothing. 
the night of horror proceeded to unfold. We discovered the following by checking the security cameras we have on the exterior of our house the next morning. We also have a ring doorbell, so all comings and goings of the guests were captured. They snuck in extra guests, which went against our house rules. Two of the now six guests left the property every 1.5 to 2 hours, coming and going all through the night. The same two dudes doing the runs in their black BMW, no less. Remember, they couldn't be over 20. They always carried the same small black duffel bag as they went. They didn't sleep the whole night. They left a pile of cigarette butts at our front door, and footage also captured them urinating in the greenery and bushes around our home. The next morning, they left around 9 a.m. Our checkout time is 11 a.m., so for legal reasons and wanting to do our part by the book, waited till 11 a.m. to enter the property. It was an absolute mess. Bottles, trash, takeaway food left out, dishes all over, sticky something on the leather sofa that is now a damaged spot due to all the attempts of cleaning and repairing. They had lifted the foldaway bed that I had set up for them and brought it downstairs, damaging the banister and wall in their attempt. Now for the king-size bedroom, an area of the house that I am still dealing with trauma over. With gloves on, proceeded to strip the sheets and bedding. The extra guests that were snuck in were very young-looking girls, and by the evidence of the bedding is clear why they were there. Blood smears, light green gooey, like now partially dried bodily fluids, some yellowish marks as well. I would have just started sobbing immediately if it wasn't for the anger that arose in my belly. The amount of effort and care I put into that guest house to ensure a first-class place for guests was utterly violated in every respect. I very nearly threw in the Airbnb hosting towel right there and then. The guest house is an entirely separate space of our home, but at the end of the day is still our home. The disrespect of these guests astounded me. I reported the profile to Airbnb, but doubt anything came of that. Left an honest review, but knew he wouldn't care. Tried to request funds for damages, specifically replacing the ruined bedding, but to no avail. The days that followed, we got smart and discovered that there is a list of these to look out for with potential drug dealers booking Airbnbs. I also had the proactive idea before I threw in the towel to call around fellow Airbnb hosts in the area to make them aware of our experience and ask if they've had similar ones. Lots of good things came from those conversations and it also built a sense of community between hosts, not a sense of competition, but one of support. It left me with the confidence to try hosting again and not to quit. Apparently, this is a thing. They book an Airbnb instead of hotels to operate out of for one night only while they canvass that area. They make new Airbnb profiles every time to be able to ensure the operation goes to plan and that hosts won't deny them. Things to look out for. Very late, very last minute booking requests. We'll never be solo guests only, but we'll always book with two or more people. Are likely to have a dog accompany them routinely leave and return to the property during their stay, will choose a location that is residential and unassuming. Needless to say, that forever changed our view on Instant Book. We now have requests to book on, and I ask guests before approving them what the purpose of their trip is and how many guests will be joining them. It gives my husband and I a chance to vet them and their profiles. Ever since we have made those changes and now know what to look out for, all of our guests have been absolute dreams, no issues whatsoever, and have so far, knock on wood, have been so lovely and pleasant and have genuinely taken care of our home. 
All the pleasant guests since those bad ones have healed some trauma of the drug dealer guests, and I now love welcoming people in and taking care of them and helping them love and tour Northern Ireland while they're with us. I'm so glad we didn't quit. We would have missed out on meeting some pretty cool people. We have been doing Airbnb for eight months now and have recently received super host status, and we continue to maintain a 5.0 star rating. High fives all around. Wow. I almost, you almost had me crying. You, you are such a good writer. Oh my gosh. This one had me feeling a whole roller coaster of emotions from like fear and dread to anger, to sadness, to just, I felt like I was violated and disrespected. You are such a good writer. And then the happy ending at the end and just, I don't know, sticking with it. This is such a good one. Here is my big takeaway from your story. Um, first of all, just the whole your whole perspective on communicating with neighbors and being in, you know, collaboration with each other rather than feeling like competitors. I I really love that you mentioned that and that you wrote that in. I'm not kidding. Literally, just this weekend, I had a neighbor in our area have an issue where her cleaner didn't show up and the guest checked in and told her that the place hadn't been cleaned. Luckily, I had one unit open for one night and so she called me and we were able to accommodate them and fit them in for one night until her place was able to get cleaned the next day and they could move back. And I mean, I would never do this in a million years, but you know, hearing your story, it kind of crosses my mind that what if, you know, as a host, I just decided, oh, hey, I'm not going to accept that one night booking and help out this neighbor because, you know, if I don't help her, she's going to get a really bad review. And maybe in the long term, it'll help me because she's a neighbor. She's technically a competing unit. And what if she gets bad reviews and that ends up helping me in the future that people won't book her place and they'll book mine? I know that this that's not the example that you gave in your story, but it just really went to show that, you know, how toxic would that be to be in competition with your neighbors? Now I know if I ever have a situation, because things like this do happen, if I ever have a situation and I call her, I know she will have my back and she will help me out. If ever my guests are throwing a party or something, I know that she is going to call me before she calls code compliance and tries to report me and get me in trouble. So I love that you spent time in this story focusing on this community aspect and really being in partnership with the other hosts around you. Those relationships will go so, so, so far in just warning each other about potential guests, helping each other when you need to letting each other know heads up about certain cleaners or handymen or contractors to avoid keeping each other in the loop when certain regulation or local ordinances change. So I'm really glad that you spent time in this story focusing on that. One thing I would encourage you to do though is I would encourage you to revisit turning instant book back on. I know in your case, you don't want to have it on because of the fear of last minute bookings and people booking without any previous reviews, you can always put stipulations around your instant book that say you only accept instant book from guests who have had previous reviews and those reviews have to be five stars. You can also, like we talked about in the last story, put a cutoff time for your same day bookings. So I would encourage you to revisit instant book. It's just known for helping get more bookings and 
In my opinion, it actually helps you vet your guests better. As you know, with request to book, you actually don't get to see that much information before accepting the booking. Airbnb restricts it so as to avoid the potential for discrimination. They're not going to show you the guest profile picture or their last name. So really, in my opinion, you actually are able to vet the guests better with Instant Book because you'll see their profile up front much quicker, and then you can go search them on Facebook or something if you have a red flag or a weird feeling about them, then you can call Airbnb and they will cancel those instant book guests as long as you say that you are uncomfortable hosting them and are able to provide a reason. Um, But again, if request a book is working for you, which it seems like it is, then forget what I'm saying. Do what works for you. But personally, um, I... Don't turn off Instant Book just because of these reasons, because you can still put those stipulations around Instant Book. But thank you for this story, and you are an incredibly talented writer. You took me on all the emotions of this. Congrats on your superhost status and your 5.0 star rating. You absolutely deserve it. All right, for this next story, we have some drama with the cleaner. So far, you guys have only been submitting stories regarding issues with guests, but this one is with a cleaner. This person wrote, I normally clean our properties myself, but we were out of town at the time, so I used a cleaner. Actually, a friend of mine that owns a cleaning business, lesson learned right there. Guest checked in and messaged me with photos of the house and all the things the cleaner didn't bother to handle. Dirty dishes still in the sink. The previous guest hadn't bothered to put a trash bag in the kitchen trash and instead filled it with stinky garbage and took the whole thing outside and left it on the porch. And the real fun part, the previous guest had brought a huge hunting knife for protection and left it sticking out between the mattress and box spring. I was so upset that the cleaner didn't see all of this. I mean, how? Luckily, the guest was incredibly understanding. I would not have been. And we immediately called another cleaning service to come in and handle the issues. Needless to say, we won't be using her ever again. Okay, I have to know, did the cleaner actually walk in because you say that she didn't notice the knife sticking out and the sink full of dishes and stuff I I think she wasn't there I'm like very curious to know did she was any part of the property clean like did she do the laundry and make the beds and put the towels back it sounds to me like she never even came which is not an excuse by any means you need a reliable cleaner who actually shows up when they're going to but uh I'm just Yeah, how did she miss these things? I don't know. And also, why did your previous guest just take the whole trash can out and leave it on the porch? I I just don't understand. I'm curious, did the guest ever ask for their knife back? Like, I'm thinking if this was a really, like you say, it was a huge hunting knife for protection. That's got to be like a prized possession to them. This isn't just some random knife they took out of your kitchen set to keep by them when they went to bed. Like, I I mean, did they ever ask for a back? I'm so confused, but I'm so glad that your new guests were understanding about it and patient with getting it taken care of. I'm just overall very confused what happened with this cleaning. I don't understand. You said that this was your friend who owns a cleaning business. Does she know what a cleaning business is? Does she know that part of owning a cleaning business is is cleaning? I I don't know. You might need to explain that to her. Just friend to friend, let her know that if you own a cleaning business, you actually you do have to clean. That's kind of one of the one of the parts of calling yourself a cleaning business. Just FYI. 
All right, this next story says our first two guests were host horror stories. Hi, Natalie. We love your page and your podcasts. We hope you get a kick out of these two stories that kind of combine together. So ours begin with our first two guests ever. After all the time and money and literal blood, sweat, and tears of setting up our own home into an Airbnb, this was our introduction to hosting. Thankfully, we kept our heads up and we knew this wasn't the norm, but oh man. So our first guest happened as a last minute booking over a weekend when we were out of town and didn't have service. We had expected our first guest a few days later, so we were missing just a few things, but we learned our lesson. If your property is listed, it can happen any minute. We have a property manager, so it was smooth regarding the booking itself. It happened late at night. These guests were experiencing a bad Airbnb that had flooded and had to immediately switch to a new one, and our listing was the only one available within the same hour. They were there for only two nights, but when the cleaners arrived, it looked like literal shit. We'll get to that soon. Mind you, this was an old couple. How much can an old couple do in a few days? First off, they brought a dog with them. We didn't allow dogs at the time, which is clearly stated at time of booking. We had asked them if they had a dog and they denied the case. There were two telling signs of a dog. One, we found out through one of them holding a dog crate via the ring camera. And two, they left a very large turd on the carpet in one of the rooms. Ew. I wish it ended here. We have large picture frames in our living room and one was crooked and cracked. We figured out later they must have been playing ball inside with their dog. They didn't care to read our house rules, of course, which also included neglect of taking out the garbage and doing the dishes, all which our property manager sends reminders of the day of checkout and they responded to and acknowledged. We sent them a request of just $75 for the pet fee, which they denied. I'm not sure what happened in the end, but one week later, I sent another request. They thankfully paid us without any argument. Now, four days later, we roll into our second ever guest. This was a full 10 guest crew, our maximum we can host in our house. During the stay, we did not have any concerning alerts, but this one prompted us to purchase a minute device to detect loud noise and smoking. When the cleaners arrived, the damage totaled to one broken lamp, like smashed, a broken floating shelf, filthy towels, ripped pillows, broken tub strainer, removed smoke detectors, and best for last, a joint rolled up and left on the nightstand. Pictures attached. Ooh, yes. They obviously tampered with the smoke detectors so they could smoke weed, which is illegal in our state. Oh, and the insane, disgusting smell of weed and cheap cigars that reeked throughout the entire home. The smell was particularly stressful since we had our third guest arriving in three days. After our property manager reached out to them, they of course denied everything, even with picture evidence, so we submitted a claim with Airbnb. The smoke remediation was the bulk of it, but this was the breakdown of what we asked. Smoke remediation, $300. We had to purchase an ozone generator and have it run for the three days straight, which thankfully worked, by the way. Towels, $100. Bedside lamp, $12. Bathtub piece, $40. It took Airbnb two weeks to get back to us to tell us they were reimbursing us for $81. This definitely made me fired up, so I quickly responded to their email to explain themselves after all the receipts they asked for and details like age of the items, etc. The damage was beyond $81 that these guests cost us. Thankfully, within 24 hours of my fired up response email, they sent us a payout of $452. 
Thankfully, we have had great experiences in the six months since then, and it was just a bump in the road with our first guests, but we were positive because we knew we didn't go through a nearly year-long process to set up our own home as an Airbnb for it to fail. Too much care and determination went into it. We wanted it to be successful so badly, so we didn't let it hit us. It just prepared us for the worst, and now we felt super experienced after only two guests. We've already dealt with two Airbnb claims and dishonest guests, but we were able to turn everything around within three days to give the third guest a wonderful experience. We have the best property manager we co-host with, which helps everything run smoothly. We love being a part of people's lives, whether they come in for a wedding or a funeral and being able to provide the comfort they need. Having guests tell you that your home is beautiful, be inspired by your own attempt at interior designer skills, say they had a wonderful time, etc. makes it all worth it. Now, everything else that comes up is so minor to us. We handle it super efficiently and don't even think twice. We love hosting and look forward to hosting as long as we can. Signed, a fellow super host. Oh my gosh, I love this. And yes, you did attach pictures. I am looking through them right now and yeah, it's it's all there. Thank God Airbnb ended up siding with you because your documentation is on a point. We've got the detached smoke alarm right there. We've got the destroyed towels. We have a shelf that was ripped apart. There's the joint on the nightstand with a leftover jack-in-the-box soda. Cool. Love it. No, but really good job documenting everything. And I think that your perspective on this is completely right. It it sucks when it's happening, but this prepared you so much that I feel like now you're spot on. When guests do stuff like forget to take the trash out, it's just you can handle it so gracefully because you've had to deal with this. Also, I'm really glad you brought up the ozone generator. Hosts, do not sleep on the ozone generator. If you do not have one yet, you need one. I will actually link the exact one that I use. I'll put it in the show notes below. Go buy one. It is so worth it. I pray that you never need to use it, but if you ever have a guest that smokes and you have to turn that property around, you're going to wish that you had this one ready to go. So I will link the ozone generator below. Go get one if you don't have it already. And just to finish out on your story, I really like that you say that you basically had to make it work, that you couldn't let these two first guests and these bad experiences get you down because you guys poured everything into making Airbnb work for you. So you just had to be persistent and keep going and hope that the third guest and all the ones out from there would be better. I've seen a lot of cases where some hosts will just throw a property on Airbnb because hey, they have this second vacation home, this spare place that they're not really using that much and figure they might as well try to make a little extra cash off it. But if it doesn't go well, they don't care. There is just something magical though about putting it all on the line, blood, sweat, and tears, putting so much money and taking such a big risk on your first property, not knowing what you're getting yourself into and just having to make it work because there's no other choice. You have to make your cost back. So I don't know. I feel like the best hosts are kind of born out of really tough situations like this. And I know that this made you a better host in the end. So thank you for sharing that. All right. And the final story is bad news bears. Hi, Natalie. First of all, I want to say thank you for your content and help. We opened our basement apartment for short-term rental in January after having long-term tenants. We figured out the basics on our own, but your podcast and Instagram page have really helped refine our approach. Oh, thank you. 
We've had exactly one horror story in seven months, unless you count the lady who gave us four stars because she didn't like the scent of our laundry detergent. Awesome. So here goes. May was a bad month for us. We had 81% occupancy in March, 87% in April, and only booked a total of nine nights in May. This should have been the start of tourist season here, but we're not getting booked. In steps, Bobby. Bobby wants to book a Friday night at 5.01 p.m., asking if he can arrive around 6. This is sort of normal if we don't have a Friday booking. We get a lot of people stopping for one night on their way through. We say yes, and he states that he booked it. My husband replies that the booking has not gone through. No response. We figure he booked someone else who replied quicker or pre-approved him or whatever. The next day, we get another booking request from Bobby and go ahead and pre-approve it, although tentatively after the previous day's conversation. Bobby was new to the platform, but we had never had an issue with a newbie and we wanted our place booked like it had been in previous months. Bobby arrives at our place after 10.30 p.m., bizarre as the day before he was hoping to be there much earlier. We hear his car in the driveway and then another car. Booking is for one person. We wait, pull up our exterior camera, and see a third car pulling in. At this point, I send Bobby a, just a reminder, no parties text, no response. Eventually, the third car leaves, and we just let it go that the two people showed up for a one-person booking. Nothing to get too bent out of shape over. The next day, Sunday, I was running errands and realized it was 20-ish minutes past checkout time. I pull up the camera again and see that both cars are still in the driveway. Send over another message. Hello, reminder that checkout is at 11 a.m. as stated in the house rules. Our cleaner will be arriving very soon to clean for our next guests. No response. I get home from errands and they are still there. I looked in the cars and realized what my gut already knew. They were probably homeless as all of their belongings were piled up in the vehicles. There is a huge homeless population here and it's a mixed bag of very nice people, mentally ill folks, and drug addicts. I get at my gumption, had my brother listen on speakerphone, and went and knocked on their door. The door was slightly ajar, not pulled shut tightly, and I had to knock multiple times before they opened. Bobby was clearly groggy when he answered the door and he looked rough. I stated I wanted to check on them because they missed their checkout time. He asked when that was and I told him 11. He asked the time and I said 12.30. He said he would book another night and I told him that the cleaner was already booked and we couldn't accommodate. I told him they needed to leave before she arrived. He then proceeds to send another booking request, which I declined. I called support because everything was just so weird. Support called Bobby to tell him to leave. He promised to leave by 2. At 2.10, I texted support again and told them how weird and uncomfortable I was and some of the details. The guests had gone to their cars but had been sitting in the driveway for quite some time. I felt trapped not wanting to be outside my house. At this point, support told me to call the police with two exclamation marks. At this point, my husband gets home and wouldn't you know, they whipped out of the driveway and sped off. You might think this saga is over. Well, buckle up. My husband and I immediately went down to the unit and it was disgusting. Blood all over the sheets, weird stains, full trash cans from a one night stay, etc. The blood stains in the bed made it clear they were using IV drugs in bed. There was pot on the bathroom counter and even better were the cut up strips of my towels they had made tourniquets with. Oh my God. It was such a gross feeling having that kind of activity in my house. Remember basement apartment but we keep hosting for so many reasons. Oh my gosh, I need to like process that before you get into all the positives. Oh my God. That is just so 
tragic. Oh my God. I don't like even know what to think about that. I can't imagine how violating that must feel knowing such like, oh my God, (sighs) I need to process this one. It's just, this is like one subject that really gets me. I know that as hosts, there's a lot of, you know, jokes about people walking in and just drinking and getting drunk and playing beer pong. And while that's not great either, you know, drinking to excess like that, especially if it's underage, this is just a whole new level. I mean, ripping your sheets and towels to make tourniquets out of and you attached pictures showing the IV marks of the blood. I just, oh, this is, this one's heavy. This one is heavy. You continue and say, it was such a gross feeling having that kind of activity in my house. Remember basement apartment, but we keep hosting for so many reasons. Our guests are mostly lovely and self-sufficient. It's a wonderful thing to run a business alongside my husband and to reap the rewards of our work together. It's a service to an entire community of people who would rather have a home to stay in rather than a cramped hotel room, and we love the personal touches we can put on the space. We are now looking into how we could expand our business and grow with other units. Thank you for reading all of this. I know it's a lot. Look, what they did was not right by any means. Using your place like that is so disrespectful. And I'm, God, I have so much like empathy for you and your husband. I honestly cannot imagine walking into such depraved behavior going on in my place. Like, oh, that just gives me a pit in my stomach. And I, I, again, I have so much compassion for you, but honestly, like, I have so much compassion for them too. I just, I, to do hard drugs like this in an Airbnb and just add to the fact that they're homeless and living out of their car, this whole story is so sad. Oh my gosh, this was a good one to end on because I feel like this one just needs to, again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I want this to be an episode that you guys save and go back and listen to next time you're having difficulties with a guest and maybe it'll give you some perspective that your situation isn't as bad as you feel like it is and that others have gone through worse and you know what even if other hosts here haven't gone through worse and you have hopefully this still just makes you feel less alone and helps you just I don't know relate to other hosts I'm gonna feel really bad if this episode makes anyone quit hosting that was not the intention at all again the whole point of this was that we all hopefully learned something from these stories and were able to vent and get it off our chest um gosh this last story was tragic though god I hope they're clean I highly doubt it but I hope they've gotten clean since you hosted them honestly I wanted to wrap up this episode by telling you guys the Uh, experience that I had this weekend that triggered this episode. And now I feel so stupid complaining about my situation because it is so minor (laughs) compared to all of these. But I will just I will tell you anyway, what what happened with us this weekend. So just to refamiliarize you, our properties that we host are all in a condo complex. And currently, one of the buildings is under construction. They are getting all of the decks redone. So there's caution tape over all the sliding glass doors. There's basically no deck. If you were on an upper unit and you were to just open your sliding doors and step out, you would just fall. Like there's no balconies right now, total construction zone. It's just on one building and Fortunately, this one building is 
kind of out of the way. Like it's kind of tucked in the corner of the complex. It's away from the pool. You can't really see it from any of the other units. Anyway, we had a guest who checked in on Saturday. Her booking was actually supposed to start on Friday, but for whatever reason, she ended up not arriving until Saturday. She got there around 3.30-ish on Saturday, and at 5 p.m., I get a message from Airbnb support. So I haven't heard anything from the guest, but I just get a message from Airbnb support saying, hi, Natalie, we are reaching out to you on behalf of so-and-so, this guest staying in this unit, because she is reporting that your listing is inaccurate. And I'm like, no. I mean, you guys, I literally do Airbnb, not just hosting for a living. Like I teach people how important it is to have an accurate listing. Miss me with that. Okay. If anyone's listing is inaccurate, it is not mine. Okay. So he says, Natalie, we are writing to inform you that your guest has said that your listing is inaccurate upon checking in. She has found that it does not match the description. Here are the attached photos. Airbnb support proceeds to forward me photos of the building that's under construction, a completely different building than the one she's staying in. And look, I could maybe, I think it would be over the top and slightly dramatic, but I could maybe empathize with the guest if, you know, she was expecting a really beautiful view and this ugly taped off caution zone, caution taped construction zone was in her view now, and she considers it an eyesore. Personally, I would think that's over the top, but fine. I could maybe empathize if that was her issue. You cannot even see that building from the unit that she booked. Like if she's worried about the view, you cannot see this building or any of the caution tape from where she's staying. I could also maybe give her the benefit of the doubt if she was worried that construction would be going on during her stay and it would be loud and annoying or something like that. If that's the case, though, she could have reached out to me and I would have told her that there is actually no construction scheduled for this week while she's there because the decks failed inspection and we're waiting for another city inspector to come out. So there was not going to be any construction going on, just purely waiting for a city inspection. But she never reached out to me. She went straight to Airbnb like a little tattletailing biatch, okay? goes straight behind my back to Airbnb and says that my listing is inaccurate and sends pictures of a completely different building. So anyway, I get these pictures from Airbnb and I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is happening? This isn't even the right building. What is she talking about that my listing is inaccurate? Five seconds later, Airbnb calls me and says, hi, we're looking for Natalie. Is this her? Okay, great. So I wanted to reach out on behalf of this guest who is saying your listing is inaccurate. And I was like, yeah, I know. I got the photos. Okay what's going on? And Airbnb, I was so feisty with them. And Airbnb was like, well, you know, if if you looked at the photos, like, uh, can you explain? I mean, the guest said she checked into the place and, and this is the condition. There's, there's no balconies. What is she supposed to do? And I am telling you, I feel so bad because I know that customer service reps probably get so much heat. And I am always so careful to not ever put my anger towards the customer service rep. But in this moment, I could not hold back. I was so furious. And I just was like, 
oh no, I am not approving any refund for this guest. I don't know what is going on. I don't know why she sent you these photos. These photos are of a completely different building that is not related to her stay at all. She is flat out lying. My description is completely accurate. You can see all my past reviews on this listing. I've never had someone complain of inaccuracy. Every detail is to the point. She is completely lying. She's showing photos of a totally different building. Doesn't affect her in any way. No, no refund. I won't approve anything. No. And he, he's like, okay. Um, so, you know, she actually said that she's very disappointed with the inaccurate stay and wants to leave today and receive a full refund. And I was like, no, she can leave today. That's fine. She's not getting refunded. This is garbage. This is totally a different building. Like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. She took pictures of a completely different building. And so then he says, okay, so in that case, could you call her and, you know, convince her to stay? And I just told him, I was like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very uncomfortable doing that. The fact that she felt like she couldn't come to me and she had to go tattle on me to Airbnb with completely inaccurate photos. I'm not comfortable having this conversation. I do not anticipate it's going to go well. I think tensions will be very high on this phone call and I'm I'm not comfortable talking to her. If she wanted Airbnb to mediate, then please mediate this, but I'm not approving any refund. So anyway, he called her back, I guess, and told me he'd get back to me. Finally, he gets back to me and just said, you know, she really wants to leave tonight. She's very disappointed in the stay. And honestly, I'll tell you guys my theory. I think that something just happened that she couldn't stay. She was supposed to be there for a week total. And I just think that something came up because she checked in a day later than she was supposed to. And it was within an hour and a half of arriving. She's sending pictures of a totally different building and trying to get out of her stay and just leave. And I think that something just came up and she just was hoping it was too late to cancel. And she was just hoping she could get the whole stay refunded. So anyway, when he came back to me on the phone again, he said, you know, she really wants to leave tonight. Um, is there any way you'd be willing to refund the remaining five nights of the stay? Which normally I would not ever be willing to budge on this because, you know, our listing is accurate. We held up our side of the bargain, but I kind of just figured like this woman is already going to be so much drama do I really want to deal with her for another five days? She's going to be looking for any excuse she can to nitpick our place or keep trying to cancel or get a refund. Honestly, at this point, I'm I'm kind of ready to just refund the remaining five nights and let her go. So I tell Airbnb this, but I said I will not approve the refund for last night, tonight, or the cleaning fee because I still, even if she was only there for an hour and a half, I have to send my cleaner back in. She could have taken a nap already. She could have used the kitchen. So I still need the cleaning fee. And, you know, she blocked up my calendar for two nights. So he said, okay, let me call her and I'll get back to you. Anyway, a few minutes later, I saw that the reservation got updated to a two night reservation with her checking out the next day. Those other five nights just disappeared and opened up and got refunded. So I was pissed, but whatever. I told him to do it. So I couldn't be that mad. And then about 30 minutes later, I see that night gets refunded to her and the reservation got altered to one night only. So in the end, all she paid for was that Friday night. 
which she wasn't even there because she checked in a day later. But all she ended up paying for was that Friday night, and she got six nights refunded over straight up lying about a completely different building being under construction. Anyway, I just, I was pissed. God, I'm still pissed about it. And I shouldn't be because reading your guys' stories, there are way worse things that have happened, but this is just so slimy and nasty and schemy to me. I cannot stand it. So anyway, I was so pissed, but I kind of was, you know, again, sort of just trying to count my losses and just say, okay, whatever. It's probably better in hindsight that I just don't have to deal with her for five more nights because I would lose my mind. And then a few hours later, I see she left a review and I have not left her a review yet. So I don't know what it says. Then of course I immediately messaged my Airbnb rep and said, Hey, what the heck? How did she get this night refunded? You need to send me back the money for this. I did not approve this night to be refunded. And we also need to get this review removed because if she never stayed there, she should not be able to leave a review. And also whatever review she left, I already know is a lie because the whole pictures she sent to get out of this were a lie. So I'm pissed. And then of course, what message do you think I got? You guys all know, you all know the message. Hi, Natalie. I want to let you know that my shift is ending and I will be out of the office for two days. Honestly, you're not a real host until you've received that damn message from Airbnb. My shift is ending and I'll be out of the office for two days. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I don't know. This is still developing right now and I am getting that review removed and I am getting that Saturday refunded and I don't care. I, I am, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be so persistent with Airbnb. Ooh, ooh, they're going to regret. They're going to regret this one. On the plus side, we ended up rebooking. We got a six night booking for this week. So I did lose that payout for that Saturday, but everything else got filled. And so far, no issues with this guest. I checked in with her today and said, how's your stay been going? How is everything? She said it's all good and they're having a great time. So there you go, Airbnb. Proof that my listing is livable and that it's fine and that the pictures she sent were a complete lie and of a different building. There you freaking go. All right, so I'm not going to do an Am I the Airbnb hold this week because that's pretty much what this entire episode was, but I am still leaving you with an Airbnb quick tip and I will be answering a question of the week. So for this week's Airbnb quick tip, your action item that you're going to walk away and go do right now is go get a quote for short-term rental insurance. Now, look, I always say that I don't necessarily think you need short-term rental insurance. I think that air cover is mostly pretty reliable. And even in the few cases where it might not pan out in your favor or the way that you're hoping, I think that the amount of money that you'll save on short-term rental insurance sometimes still makes it worth it to lose on a few air cover claims here and there. Even if those don't go in your favor, you know, the amount of money that you'd be spending every month on short-term rental insurance may not end up being worth those few claims that you might lose. However, it is absolutely irresponsible to not at least get a quote on your short-term rental insurance. 
Maybe in your case, you're going to find that it's just completely exorbitant and you are fine taking that chance just relying on air cover. But for a lot of you, you might actually be surprised that it's a lot more doable than you think. The trick is to find a company that actually does short-term rental insurance and specializes in that. Unfortunately, a lot of your typical insurance companies out there just do not want to insure short-term rentals, and even if they do, they have very, very expensive premiums because they just don't know how to calculate the risk accurately. They don't really know what goes into insuring a short-term rental, so if you can find a company that actually specializes in this, they are going to be able to customize a package for you so much better. And again, even if you decide that you don't want to use it and you just rely on your air cover, at least you'll know that you got a quote for it and you kind of can make that calculated decision of whether or not it's worth it for you to pursue the insurance route. Personally, I would recommend Steadily Insurance for this. Just like regular homeowner's insurance, Steadily Insurance will protect you for fire, water, windstorm, hail, lightning... They can even add on quake and flood insurance if that's something that you need in your area. But where they really excel, in my opinion, and what Steadily can do that typical homeowner insurance cannot is Steadily will also protect you in the event of vandalism, theft, or damages to your rental. They'll also make sure that if your guest were to slip and fall and try to sue you, you have protection for that. And this is awesome, but they can even protect you for loss of income. So say that a pipe bursts at your property and now you have to shut down for a full month in order to get that repaired, Steadily can actually step in with coverage for the loss of income that you're not able to make during that month that you're busy getting the burst pipe repaired. I love that they actually understand the needs of short-term rental insurance and that it's so much more expansive than just typical homeowner's insurance. And I think you will be pleasantly surprised to see that their quotes are actually not as expensive as you may think. So your Airbnb quick tip for this week is to just go literally plug in your address and get a quote for it. This is not a paid ad, but I do have an affiliate link with Steadily. And if you do use that, it does support me. So my referral link is hostwithnatalie.steadilypartner.com. Literally, all you have to do when you follow that link is then enter the street address of your short-term rental property and you will get a customized quote. And like I said, if you decide that you are totally satisfied just relying on air cover, more power to you. But if listening to these horror stories showed us anything, it's that you really don't know what to expect with this business. And I just know that the peace of mind you can get from having insurance that is specialized for short-term rentals is invaluable. Follow that link. I will drop it in the show notes below. Once again, that link is hostwithnatalie.steadilypartner.com. Drop in your address and Take a few minutes to just get a quote and figure out if it's something doable for you and you want to add on that extra protection to your business and your home. And finally, for this week's question of the week, let's answer the question of whether or not you should be charging an extra guest fee. So let's first back up and explain what the extra guest fee is for those who aren't familiar. Airbnb has an option where you could charge an extra amount per person once you get to a certain capacity in your listing. So here's an example of how that would be used. 
Say that you have a two-bedroom, two-bath place. In each of the bedrooms, you have a queen bed so you can sleep four people. But in the living room, you have a sofa bed that also sleeps two more. So total, you can sleep six people. An example of how you could use an extra guest fee in this case would be, hey, when we just sleep four people in the two bedrooms on the queen beds, that's just a standard amount of laundry and towels for us. We bake that into our nightly rate and our cleaning fee and our expenses are covered if we do that. However, if we end up having up to six guests and two more people come and they end up using the sofa bed and extra towels and have to pull out the bedding for that, it's more work. My cleaner has to then put the sofa bed back together. She has some extra laundry to do. So for anyone past four guests, we charge an extra $25 per person. So potentially you could make up to 50 bucks extra if you host six guests, maybe 25 bucks extra if you host five. Again, this is just an example. You could kick in an extra guest fee after eight people, after 10 people, after two people. You can really change the rates to whatever you want. I said $25. You could put in any amount. But I think you can see that in theory, this is a really cool feature that can earn hosts some extra money and you know help your cleaners offset a little bit of extra work involved, help offset some of the wear and tear from hosting bigger groups. So it's something you might want to consider. Let me tell you my thoughts on it though and why I actually personally am not a fan of the extra guest fee and I don't use it in any of my listings. What we noticed for the brief time that we did use the extra guest fee is that guests flat out just lied about how many people were coming. Every single group was saying that it was four people, even if it had five, even if it had six, because they'd go in plugging numbers around and seeing, wait, why are we being charged more for the exact same place just for disclosing that we're bringing two more people? Even when the place says it can host up to six, why are we paying extra? No. And so we basically found that almost every single group was lying about how many people they were bringing and just trying to avoid that extra guest fee. Ultimately, we decided that even though, yes, there is extra laundry involved when you do have a slightly bigger group, through having discussions with my cleaner, we kind of settled on the agreement that it was more valuable to us to just have transparency from the guest up front. That way, my cleaner would know, hey, if we are hosting six people, you know, I can bring in a helper with me that day, or I can not plan an extra cleaning in my schedule because I may have to stick around and do extra laundry. It was just more of knowing what to expect that she was going to be walking into rather than showing up thinking it was four people and being blindsided to find that the entire sofa bed was pulled out and all the bedding was used and extra towels. For us, it's more valuable to have that transparency from the guests on how many people are actually in the group. I know that some hosts really do like the idea of getting a little bit of extra cash from that extra guest fee. In my experience though, you're just not going to end up seeing that extra money. Unfortunately, guests are just going to end up lying about the number of people they're bringing. So as much as I love this concept in theory, I just haven't found it to work that well when you're actually applying it in the real world. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.